0: Hey, it is so good to have you here today. For those of you pretty new to Journey, my name's Christian, I'm one of the pastors here. I met a gal named Stacy and her son Carson after the first service. And she said, I just wanted to introduce myself. Uh, My family is not like a church family. We never go to church, but this was our first Sunday and it was awesome. Um, So if you're one of those, like first time ever, not just at Journey, but like maybe you're not church people, but you're sitting in church today. I'm Christian, I'd love to meet you after the service and we are like super glad that you are here. Our annual report, for those of you who are like Journey people, people, and you're on our email list. Our annual report is going to be emailed to you out at noon today, and that's just a celebration of who God was and what God did in our church in 2021. There's about 12 minutes worth of videos, about a minute each from a lot of our ministry, and then kind of five minutes from Danielle and I talking about the year in review. I'd love for you to take time to watch those videos. If you get a chance on your computer, maybe on your phone later, Um, you'll see all of our finances. You'll see your giving and the impact that it made, in how we spent that. But my favorite part is all the way at the very bottom, we have a little section that just says since 2011, like since our church started, that picture of me was on launch Sunday, more than 11 years ago. That was me preaching on September 18th, 2011. Since 2011, we've seen 721 people publicly baptized. People have come before their family and friends and our church family and said, I've decided to follow Jesus and I want the whole world to know. You're going to see like Pastor Scott said that, yeah, you can put your hands together for that. That is incredible life change. You're gonna see that 350 people at our church have gotten a passport and gone on a mission trip, 349 to be exact, to have a life-transforming experience on the mission field. Like your Pastor Scott say, $2.6 million that we've invested into global missions and community, outpack, uh, community impact and church planning. Like there are some things that our church has done that if we closed our doors today, if we said, that's a wrap, this is it, it's been a great 11 years, there are some lives that have been changed for eternity because of your giving, because of your faithfulness, because of your serving. So like our annual report from the bottom of our heart to yours is just to say thank you for your engagement in our church and in our vision and our ministry and all that Jesus is doing. If you have your Bibles today, John chapter 1 is where we're going to hang out in our Bible study time. So go ahead and maybe grab your notes out of your bulletins so that you can follow along or fire up that Journey Church app so that you can easily follow along there. We're going to end up in John chapter 1, but before we do that, I want to take you back 11 years. 11 years ago this month, I was at a church planning conference in Southern California named Radicalis. It was at a church named Saddleback Church. The pastor there is Rick Warren. He's written the best-selling nonfiction, a hardback book in the history of American literature, The Purpose-Driven Life, which is kind of 40 days on the purpose of your life and how to walk with God. And about 2,500 church planners from all over the world were gathered to learn about planting a church that would have impact in a community and around the world. And I I was a part of a very small group. Pastor Rick got up at one of the sessions and he said, if you're a church planter under the age of 35, who's not yet started your church, but you will start before the end of 2011, I wanna have lunch with you. And there were less than 30 of us that kind of fit that little mold. Under the age of 35, we were going to plant within the next 10 months. And he basically sat down with us in a small room and said, I've got 25 years of experience to share with you. What questions do you have? And we got to, for about 90 minutes, just ask questions. And the question that I had is I said, hey, I'm planning in September. If you were to start all over again, like what would you do planting a church if you were to start this year? And he said, I would do the exact same thing that I did. He said, if you look at Jesus' ministry, he said, Jesus ministered for a period of about three years, and each of those years had kind of a distinct call to them. He said, the first time Jesus asked his disciples to follow him, he asked them to just come and see who he was. So he said, the whole first year of our church plant was a year of inviting our community to come see who Jesus was to us and who Jesus could be in our community, He said, later as Jesus' followers followed him, Jesus went from come and see to come and follow, come and get engaged, come and be like me, come and do what I am doing. So the second year of our church, we took everyone who saw who Jesus was to our church and said, we now want you to follow the mission of Jesus with us. And then he said, right before Jesus went to the cross, he asked his disciples to come and die. To come and die, to give your entire life for my mission. And he said, the third year of our church, we said, you've seen who Jesus is. You've lived on mission with him now. Give him your entire life, leverage everything in your life for who Jesus is. He said, if I was starting a church, that's what I would do all over again. And that's how we started our church. 2011 to 2012 was come and see. 2012 and 2013 was come and follow. 2014, 2015 was come and die. And as we entered decade number two of our church this year, We are going back to plan number one of our church in this new building after five years of doing church that felt like a fire drill, in quick, out quick, some in the morning, some at night, some in person, some on video. It was like, let's reset the whole thing and let's be a church that invites our community in 2022 to come and see who Jesus is to us and who Jesus can be to them. And then in 2023, let's figure out who those people are who have experienced Jesus, and let's teach them to follow him. And then in 2024, let's ask them to give every their entire lives to Jesus. So we're kind of entering that pathway again. And John's going to help us learn what it looks like to come and see Jesus well today. Before we ever dig into scripture at our church, we always pray. And ask that maybe God would speak to our hearts and open our hearts. So before we dig in today, would you just bow your heads with me quickly? Take a deep breath that'll kind of settle your soul into this moment. And would you just ask God to speak to your heart? Maybe you feel like every Sunday of your church, your life, you've been in church. Ask God to speak to your heart anyway. Maybe you're like Stacy First time ever in our church or a church. Ask God to speak to you and tell him that you'll listen. God, we pray today that you would help us to be a church where people can come and see Jesus and come and follow Jesus and come and give their entire life to Jesus. It's our vision. And God, it's our prayer that you would help us to be a people who do that and do that well. Help us to hear from you today as we live on mission for you. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Amen. So we actually started studying John chapter 1 at Journey in December. Three Sundays in December and then our Christmas services were all in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 because John was one of Jesus' closest friends and he wrote his book to introduce Jesus to the world. He's like, hey world, here's who Jesus is. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 are all the background of who Jesus would be. John told us that he was the logos. It was a Greek concept, the logos was, that literally was the true meaning behind everything in life. So he said, Jesus is is the person that, that really brings meaning to life. He introduced Jesus to us as the light. Jesus is the one who allows us to see God and to see us. And to see that we're not connected and he pulls us together because Jesus is the tabernacle. Jesus is God with us, which means we can be with God. Like Jesus is the thing that brings meaning to your life. Jesus is the one who lets you see life as it really is. Jesus is the one who comes to be with you so you can be with God. That's who Jesus is. Between verses 14 and 35, we move from the background of Jesus to the baptism of Jesus. Jesus' cousin, John the baptizer, John the Baptist, would baptize him and tell the whole world, like, this is God's Messiah, you need to check this guy out. And in verse 35, Jesus would begin his public ministry by inviting some people to come and see what his ministry was all about. That's where we're going to read today, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42, and here's what it says. It says, the next day, John, that's John the baptizer, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him we found the Messiah that is the Christ and he brought him to Jesus. In 2022, as we try to be a church that allows our community to come and see Jesus. At first, they're gonna come and see and they're gonna come and see Journey. And they're probably gonna come and see the new building that they've been driving by. When I asked Stacy, like, how'd you hear about Journey? She's like, I live in Lee Summit. I've been driving by it like every day. Um, A lot of people are gonna come and see the church. But eventually, the building is going to wear off, and they're going to start looking at the people. They're not going to look at the building. They're going to look at the people. The church is the people. And as they look at the people, this Vision Sunday is about what we want our church to become, and it's about how we want you as followers of Jesus to be seen. Because in John chapter 1, we see three really clear things about followers of Jesus, And it's my goal in 2022 that the congregation of Journey, the people at Journey who this is their home, that people come and see Jesus in us in this way. What do we learn? Number one, we learn that followers of Jesus are followers of the ways of Jesus. As our community comes to see what's happening at Journey and they stop looking at the building and they begin to look at us, hopefully they will see us as followers of the ways of Jesus. Somebody say the way. Verse 35 says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So Christians are people who follow Jesus, but we follow the ways of Jesus. Now, the followers on this day would follow Jesus to a place. On this day, they would follow Jesus to a place, but they were looking for more than a place. They were looking to follow Jesus' way of life. Say, how do you know that? Because they called him rabbi. And a rabbi was not just a teacher 2,000 years ago. A rabbi was not a visiting lecturer at a university. A rabbi was someone who attracted followers who were looking to adopt their entire lifestyle. So if somebody was looking for a rabbi, you were looking for someone whose life you could adopt as your own. You were looking for someone who you would live life exactly like they did. So these followers of Jesus were looking for a way of life, which means Christianity is not just a set of beliefs. It is a way of life. Christianity is a set of beliefs, but it is more than that. It is a way of life. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, which is the first generation of the Christian church, six times, noted on your notes and on the screen behind me, the followers of Jesus, this pack of followers that was called a sect, this group of people that followed Jesus, their name for them was The Way, capital W-A-Y. They referred to Jesus' people as a group of people known as the way because the way they live life was different than anyone they had ever seen before. The first generation followers of Christian Christians were known for the way they live their lives. And it's interesting because as you and I think about our faith, let me ask you a question. When people think about your faith... And they try to identify what they know about your faith. Do they think more about what you believe or how you behave? Because I'm not an anthropologist, I don't study culture for a living, but 25 years of ministry, 44 years of life, have told me that most people in our community that maybe have had a negative experience with Jesus' people or with people of faith have not necessarily had a negative experience based on what we believe, but on how we behave towards them. And the further they are from God, the worse we behave, the worse we treat them. Maybe the worse we believe about them, which is not really the way of Jesus. Because Jesus believed correctly about us that we were in rebellion to God before we met him. Jesus believed correctly about us that we were broken people who were breaking things every day of our life. Jesus believed correctly about us that we were sinners who deserved judgment. That's what he believed, and he was right. But his behavior, his behavior pulled us close to his heart. And I think the world needs more Christians who believe what the Bible says, but behave in the way of Jesus. Amen? Like Jesus people are followers of the ways of Jesus. And that message might not be for everyone in this room, but it's for someone in this room. My college football coach used to call team meetings where he would like yell at the entire team for something that only like six or seven guys had done. And then he'd get to the end of his talk and he would say, at least once a week, he'd get to the end of his talk and he'd say, now if the shoe fits, wear it. So what I said maybe wasn't just for all of you because you believe and you behave in the way of Jesus. But some of you, your belief and your behaviors do not match up. And if the shoe fits, you need to wear it and you need to step in it and you need to begin to behave the way of Jesus. There's also some insider language here in John chapter one that's fascinating if you know it. And if you're an insider, like you, you know when you're an insider because you just, you just, you know what maybe no one else sees or misses. Anybody else here play like games, like family, like board games, like as a family, any, any, fam- any gaming people in here? Not like video games, but like, like cards and spoons. And so the Newsome arm of our family, like we're game players. When we gather at the holiday, we play games. This year, the game my wife bought for our family was the game Catan, Catan. I don't know what the name was. I was terrible about it. I could never get enough sheep. My son won like like every time. And he may have cheated, but it's okay. It's like a really, really country uh, monopoly for those of you who have never played it. Um, Like we're game people. And my wife and I are really good at taboo. Like anyone ever played taboo? I love taboo. It's this, it's this game where you get a little buzzer that you can squeeze in people's face. And I don't know you're supposed to put it in their face, but I always put it in their face. And you get like a card of, of things, like you're supposed to describe the word at the top, but you can't say any of the words underneath it. And if you do, that's taboo. And like you, you get buzzed. Danielle and I are great at that game because we've got an insider language. Danielle and I have worked almost every day of our lives together for the last 23 years. We have thousands of shared life experiences. And we got this insider thing going on. Like we're really good at taboo because we've got insider language. There's some insider language in John chapter 1 that's fascinating. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, you missed it. But I have to point it out to you because it's really exciting. Now, before I point it out to you, I want to give you a Bible reading tip because it will set it up. Say, what's the Bible reading tip? Here it is. Anytime you read the Old Testament, you need to be looking for Jesus. And anytime you read about Jesus, you need to be thinking about the Old Testament because that's gonna give you some insider language that's gonna put the pictures together for you. You say, why do we need to do that? Well, first, because Jesus told us to. In John chapter five, I love what Jesus said. He's arguing with the Pharisees. And he said, you study the scriptures. He's talking about the Hebrew Bible, our Old Testament, Old Testament scriptures, Genesis to Malachi. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, but they're the scriptures that testify about me. Jesus said, the Old Testament's about me. Like, when you look at the Old Testament, you need to look for me. The Old Testament is about me. He would later prove that in a conversation I wish I could have been a part of on the road to Emmaus, this seven-mile, probably two- or three-hour walk with some disciples after his crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. It says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures about himself. He literally did an Old Testament inductive Bible study and said, let me show you me through the Old Testament. So Bible reading tip, anytime you're reading the Old Testament, You need to be trying to find Jesus. But anytime you read about Jesus, you need to be thinking about the Old Testament because it'll give you an insider language. Look at John 1.36. I hope you didn't miss it. If you did, I'm gonna point it out because it's awesome. It says, when John the baptizer saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. You need to circle the words passing by and you need to circle the words lamb of God because John the baptizer was not being vague nor was John the apostle who was writing the book because 1,500 years before this, the spirit of God had passed by the people of Israel and chosen not to kill all their firstborn children if their houses were covered in the blood of the lamb. Don't miss what John is doing here. He's speaking insider language and he says, when you find yourself oppressed by a foreign power, 1,500 years before this, Israel oppressed by Egypt. In Jesus' day, Israel oppressed by Rome. When you find yourself in a place of bondage, 1,500 years before this, making bricks and straw to build pyramids. At this time, John the Baptist said, you're in bondage to your sin. When you're looking for a rescuer, John says, look to Jesus because he's passing by. And he is the lamb of God that saves you. Don't miss the insider language because Jesus is the rescuer. We adopt his ways of life. Because those ways of life lead to freedom. Those ways of life lead to fullness. Don't miss what John the Apostle is writing. Don't miss what John the Baptist is saying. Jesus is the Lamb of God who rescues us from sin, from death, from bondage. Jesus is the one who frees you if you will follow his way for your life. Man, it's my goal in 2022 that when people talk about our church and our people, they say, man, those are people who seem to follow the ways of Jesus. They also, number two, are followers of Jesus who spend time with Jesus. They're followers of Jesus who spend time with Jesus. Verse 38 says, turning around, Jesus saw these two following and he asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. Somebody said, come and see. There's the invitation, first one he gave to any of his followers. Just come and see, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Somebody say, spend time. time. Followers of Jesus, spend time with Jesus. Followers of Jesus, spend time with Jesus. Now I'm going to say to this side of the room, followers of Jesus, spend time with Jesus. It's part of the ways of Jesus and his followers that transform our life. And if we were to go back and do kind of a deep dive in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we were to say, okay, how did Jesus' original disciples spend time with him? We would see that the disciples of Jesus spent time with Jesus in four different ways. I'm going to throw them up on the wall, and I'll kind of talk about them one at a time. The disciples first spent time with Jesus personally. Nine of Jesus' 12 apostles have individual conversations with Jesus that are actually notated in Scripture. The only disciples that we are not aware of that had a personal conversation with Jesus are James, the son of Alphaeus, known as James the Less, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Thaddeus, Judas who was also known as Thaddeus. Nine of the 12 disciples, we can literally go sit in on a one on one conversation that they had with Jesus, spending time with him personally. Three we're not aware of. So, my question for you today nine or three, nine or three. This week, are you in the group of nine? who spent some personal time with Jesus and it's recorded somewhere in the spiritual realm? Or are you one of the three that your life went by this week and there was no, you didn't talk to Jesus and he didn't talk to you. You didn't spend any time in the prayer talking to him and he, he, you didn't spend any time in the word so he could talk to you, nine or three. How about for the year? We're like 37 days into 2022 now, nine or three. Are you in the group of nine who's personally spent time talking to Jesus? Like, that, like somewhere in the spiritual realm there's a, there's a sheet of paper written down where like you and Jesus just had time, just the two of you. Are you in the three that has not been there yet this year to be written down? Followers of Jesus spend time with Jesus and they spend personal time with Jesus. I'm really excited about 2023, so much so that I almost wish I could skip the rest of 2022 because the spiritual disciplines and some of the initiatives we have for 2023 and our come and follow year to help you learn how to spend personal time with Jesus, like I feel like they're necessary today. I can't wait for 2023 to teach you how to spend personal time with Jesus. Hang with us and we'll get you there. But it's important to know, Followers of Jesus spend personal time with Jesus. They also spend time with Jesus as a group, sometimes a group of two. James and John often talk to Jesus together, just him and them. Sometimes in a group of three, Peter, James, and John often were spending time with Jesus as a group of three. Most often it was a group of 12. You say, what did they do? They spent time before Jesus did ministry and after Jesus did ministry, talking about what Jesus said, talking about how it applied to their life, asking each other questions, helping each other with stuff, getting to know one another's family. Like they just live time as a group with Jesus. And if you're not in a discipleship group yet, if you're not in a men's group, if you're not in a women's group, if you're not in a followers made or a leaders made group, if you're not a part of a Bible study yet, like followers of Jesus spend time in a group so we can learn from one another. Nowhere in scripture do we see anyone ever spending time alone. Even Paul, when he's in prison, almost always has someone hanging out with him. Christianity is not a solo sport. So if you don't have your group yet, if you don't know your people, if you don't have that Seven to 12 people who you're talking about your faith journey with on a consistent basis after you leave church today We've kind of got like a little ministry fair set up all of our discipleship groups All of our discipleship tracks are set up in the atrium so that you can find A group of people that you can do spiritual life with We told our church last week at our spiritual community kickoff Our church is not designed for you to do group life on sunday morning. It's not how we do it here Group life is not done in rows. It's done in circles. This is like where we have church, but we do group life like throughout the weeks, morning and evenings in smaller groups. And you're gonna have to choose to do that at our church. Say, I don't know anybody yet. Guess what? That's how you get to know people. And Proverbs says, you gotta be friendly to make friends. So let it start with you. And go dig in. Followers of Jesus spend time as a group. Followers of Jesus, number three, also spend time in the congregation. So what does that mean? In a large crowd that's, that was listening to the teaching of Jesus. And this, this is experiencing a little tension. About 15 years ago, um, I, was, I was held in China for about two hours without my passport. Pretty freaky experience. I'd been in Beijing for a week meeting with some missionary leaders of the underground church in China. And then we flew to Hong Kong, and we were in Hong Kong for a week, because at that time, Hong Kong wasn't in Chinese control. And a lot of the missionaries who were doing missions all over Southeast Asia were based in Hong Kong. And while we were in Hong Kong, I was there with my brother-in-law, somebody told us there's, a, like, there's like this Chinese outlet mall right across the border, a one-hour train ride from Hong Kong, um, where you can get like Nike tennis shoes and coach purses for like $3. So like if y'all haven't gone shopping yet, now you and I both know that they're fake, but if they're good fakes, it's worth three bucks. So it's like, we're going to take the train to Shenzhen and we're, we're going to get some knockoff Nikes and coach purses. So we got on the train, we went, we got the passport control and they kind of took our passports and they looked at us and they immediately put us in detention together and they kept our passports. And I remember looking at each other thinking, this is probably not good. Like we are without our cell phones, without our passports in a, like in Chinese detention right now. Like, I hope Dennis Rodman will come and help us. And I know that's North Korea. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Like, it's like, we're in trouble here. After two hours, they finally came back. They gave us back our passport. What had happened was this. You have to get a visa to apply to go into the country of China We had a one-use visa that we had already used up for our week in Beijing. We didn't know this at the time. And they said, you've already been in China once. You cannot come again without permission. And they gave us our passports. And they said, like, you need to go back. Like, how do do we know you're not spies? Like, whoa, we're not spies, we're just cheap. Like, we just want some $3 Nikes and coach purses. And it's like, you need to leave. And it's like, we will, sayonara. I know that's Japanese. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Like, it it was a bad day. It was a bad day. We just wanted some, like, knockoff stuff. The congregation in America now has a knockoff version because in 2020, the whole world for the first time went online for church. And the congregation became something that we watched by ourselves rather than something we participated in. And there are some people who are still wearing the knockoff congregation because you've not chosen to come back. It's fascinating in the church world right now, the, the discussion going on globally, there are churches across the world and across the country who've done digital ministry, live streaming for years, who have shut it off and don't offer it to their church anymore. They're like, too many people are choosing to do church at home rather than in the congregation, so we're not even going to let them. We just, we turn off, the, they just turn off the cameras. They can watch it Monday at 8 a.m., but the only thing we do on Sunday is gather in person. Like, it's in person or it's not at all. Now, we've not made that decision because we think our online ministry can enhance participation and connection to our church when you can't be here. Like I've got sick friends today at home watching church because they can't be here. We don't want to turn off the cameras. We want to enhance their experience. We've got businessmen who are traveling right now and businesswomen with their families who they're out of town. Like their only connection to journey today is like is online. So we're like we're not going to turn off the cameras for them. My mom watches like every morning at 8.45 before she goes to her congregation. If I shut off the cameras, like she, she would have my hide. It's like, you better stream so I can watch my boy preach before I go to church. So like I waved to mom and said hi to her. And she was so happy. After church, she texted me and was like, thank you so much for acknowledging me. And it's like, of course, mom, every day. Um, like, like, love you. Uh, like, we're not, we're, not, we're not planning to shut off. Like, we have kids that play sports. We don't want your kids to all quit their sports. We want you when you're out of town with your kids to be able to to watch church. We want you, if you have a lake house, to be able to go to the lake and stay connected. Like we think online ministry can be a tremendous enhancement to be engaged in church when you're super, super busy. But listen, when it becomes a replacement and you're just sitting at home because it's easier and you didn't have to get dressed and you didn't have to get the kids dressed and you didn't have to drive anywhere, that becomes a little bit of a knockoff congregation. And on the outside, it might look the same, but when you get up close, that's never the way that Jesus designed the congregation to work on the first day of the week. Now, as long as we can track in scripture, people have been struggling to get to church. In Hebrews ten twenty five, the author of Hebrews said this to the people of the early church, like, listen, don't give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing it. like, some of y'all quit coming to church, don't do that but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's like, listen, one of the primary reasons we congregate together is not to hear the message and sing the songs, but to see one another and encourage one another. So I got some congregation questions for those of you who only watch online because it's easier. And I'm not talking about because you're busy. I'm talking about because you think it's more convenient. You've just grown accustomed to it. Let me give you two congregation questions. If this is the purpose of the congregation, who encourages you while you watch online and you sit by yourself? Say, I don't need any encouragement. I'm having a good week. Good for you. Then who are you encouraging? Like scripture says, like do the congregation thing because some days you need to encourage people and some days people need to encourage you. More people are suffering from addiction right now in the United States than any other time in history. And they said there are two pillars of addiction and recovery that almost every person who is addicted or recovering has. Almost every person who is addicted has the pillar of isolation, Addiction is anchored to isolation. And almost everyone who makes it in recovery has connection to community. They are anchored to other people. Followers of Jesus spend time in the congregation. And listen, if you've been watching online for two years, I love you. If you're not healthy, join us online. If you're traveling, join us online. If kids are playing sports, join us online. But if you are using this for replacement church, come to church. My challenge to you, Journey, there are 10 Sundays between today and Easter Sunday. My challenge for you is that you'd be here in person for seven of them. Get out of bed, get your kids dressed, get to church, live in the congregation. Amen? Now, those in the room, for those of you watching online, those in the room said amen because we believe it, and we want you to be a part of it. We want to encourage you, and we need you to encourage us. So followers of Jesus, spend time in the congregation. And they also spend time serving Jesus. So you got to ask yourself, when it comes to your faith walk, are you in the audience or in the army? you here for the message or for the mission? Because followers of Jesus spend time serving Jesus. And if you say, like, I'm willing, I don't even know where to start, go to the Connection Center right after church and say, Christian said I need to serve, where do I serve? They'll help you. Go to Growth Track. Start going to Growth Track. Come to the 845 service. You can go to Growth Track. By the end of February, you'll not only know where to serve, you'll know what you're good at and what you like and how you can do that at our church. We'll help you. Before you leave today, don't turn right and go by the cafe, turn left and go by the cross because our community impact table is set up right there. And man, every family at Journey ought to be serving Jesus in our community together. If nothing else, grab every flyer that they have on that community impact table to figure out how you can serve in our city in a way that followers of Jesus serve. They serve together. At least go grab the information and figure out between now and December 31. You've got a lot of life left this year how you can serve. See, followers of Jesus live in the ways of Jesus. Followers of Jesus spend time with Jesus. But followers of Jesus also, number three, they bring people to Jesus. Followers of Jesus bring people To Jesus. Verse 40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the baptizer had said. Hey, that's the Lamb of God, follow him. And who had followed Jesus because Jesus, like, come and see what's going on. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, let me pause right here and say this to you, Journey. Y'all have done an unbelievable job bringing people to see Jesus the last eight weeks. I mean, it's just been incredible from the opening of this building in the middle of December through Christmas, our grand opening, January nine last week with the barracks and how great was the barrack family last week? Like they were incredible. As I prayed with our pastors this morning, I prayed, Lord, let me say one sentence that was as great as every sentence that Jen barrack said last week, because they were like just phenomenal. You all have done an unbelievable job. I would give you an A plus as a congregation. For bringing people to come and see what's going on at Journey. It's been unbelievable. Do you know that we've had more than a hundred visiting families turn in a connection card, which means our church has given more than a thousand dollars to the Hope Center in downtown Kansas City doing discipleship and leadership development just in January, just because you brought your friends. They're like, what's this for? It's like our people brought their friends, and we're celebrating that by helping you. Like, y'all have done an incredible job. Our next Come and See Sunday is March 6th with Clayton King one of the greatest speakers, I believe, on planet Earth. I've asked him very specifically to teach on his new book. It's called Reborn, and here's why. This book is about people who need a second chance at life or people who need to experience God. And I don't know about you, but coming through 2020 and 2021, I'm looking at a lot of people who are trying to start over. And I'm looking, for a lot of, I'm looking at a lot of people who just, they, like they need to have an experience with God. So as you think about your February, look for people who... They're trying to start over. Look for people who you know they need a touch from God and bring them with you. Have them come and see, because I believe what Clayton is going to bring that day is going to be phenomenal. And they'll be closer to Jesus when they leave than they were when they came. I really, really believe that. We bring people to Jesus first because the invitation is pretty easy. Like As we read through this text, we read it's not that difficult to bring someone to Jesus. Verse 45, we meet one of Jesus' disciples named Philip. It says, here's the first thing that Philip did. Philip found Nathanael and told Nathanael, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael, ask him, what was Philip's answer? Okay, let's let's do it again like everyone's paying attention there. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael, ask him, what was Philip's answer? It's a pretty easy invitation. Like, Just come check it out. Nathaniel's trying to have an apologetics conversation. Like, are you sure spiritually you know everything about this guy? And Philip's like, nope, but you should check it out. Pretty easy. Like, just come check it out. Come and see. It's an easy invitation. Just come and see what Jesus is doing. I don't have all the answers. But if you meet him, I think he can help you. And I believe that the invitation is easy because the Savior's already working. There's three texts in John chapter 1 that give us four, what I think are really simple truths about the gospel that every one of us should know and understand about our life and the life of our friends. As we bring people to Jesus, we realize that he's already working. He was with Peter in verse 42. Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter and says, You're Simon, son of John, but you're going to be called Cephas, which, when translated from the Greek, is Peter. Jesus' is like, I know him. In verse 47, Philip brings Nathanael. When Jesus sees Nathanael approaching, he says to Nathanael, here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael? asked Jesus, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Like, I, I, I know you. And then in verse 50, when Nathaniel's like, that must mean you're special spiritually, Jesus said, you believe. Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you're going to see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you're going to see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Four really simple truths about the gospel, how God interacts with the world that we always need to remember as we bring people to Jesus. I'm going to throw them on the screen and then we'll walk through them together. Number one, Jesus sees them first. Before Peter saw Jesus or knew Jesus, Jesus saw Peter and knew Peter. Before Nathanael saw Jesus or knew Jesus, Jesus saw Nathanael and knew Nathanael. And watch this. Before you ever saw Jesus or knew Jesus, he saw you and knew you. See, the story of the gospel is not that you finally found God, it's that he finally found you. Because he sees you first, he's already working. And the people in our life that we're trying to figure out, how can we connect them to God? Here's the thing that you need to realize. God already has a huge desire to connect them. He sees them, he knows them, he's on the way to meet them. If we can just figure out how to get them turned around where they can see him coming. I think we also, as we bring people to Jesus, have to know that it's okay to acknowledge Nazareth. Nathanael had this bias against Jesus' hometown and he tried to like start an argument. He tried to let Nazareth be the obstacle between him and Jesus. And here's what we need to know. Every person in our life has an obstacle between them and Jesus called sin, called brokenness. Like everyone we know has a reason not to come to Jesus. That's okay. Acknowledge, yeah, there's hard things in life and I don't have all of the answers. I acknowledge you had a bad experience with the church. I acknowledge you had a terrible experience in life. I acknowledge that you've been taught things that aren't good. I acknowledge you had a Christian treat you terribly. I acknowledge you worked for a Christian company that treated you worse than any company. Like I acknowledge your Nazareth, I see it. I see it and it's messed up and I don't have the answers. But I believe Jesus sees it. And he knows it's messed up and he does have the answer. So like, let's go talk to him. Because number three, Jesus sees their needs and he sees their potential before they even see him. And he's like, hey, Jesus, this is my brother. And Jesus like, I know your brother and I know his potential. He's gonna have an unbelievable opportunity to be a tremendous leader once he gets his heart and his life right. Philip brought Nathaniel. He's like, Jesus is my friend Nathaniel. And Jesus is like, I know him. I know he's wrestling through some things. I know he needs God to show up in his life. I'm gonna do that for him. Jesus sees the needs of the people in your life who you want to see Jesus. He sees their potential. He wants to call them into his mission because he's the gateway to heaven. I love what Jesus says here. A little more insider language. Nathaniel's like, it's unbelievable that you know my story. And Jesus is like, dude, you're gonna see more than that. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending. Insider language, Genesis 28, 16. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, falls asleep, has a dream that the angels of heaven are descending up and down towards him on a ladder. And he's like, this is the gateway to heaven. Jesus is like, no, 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 I am the gateway to heaven. I am the gateway to heaven. And watch this. Jesus says, you don't hang out with me so that one day you'll get to heaven. You hang out with me so that today heaven gets to you. Amen? Like you see that? Like when we're with Jesus, we are at the gateway of heaven. And Jesus is like, you don't have to wait till this thing's all over to experience a connection with God. You can have it right now through me. And what we have to remember as a congregation is these four truths are true about us first. You're here because Jesus saw you. And he pursued you and he called you. He overcame whatever Nazareth was in your life. And if you have another one today, he'll overcome that one too. He sees your needs and he desires through his congregation, and through his people, through his spirit to meet those needs. He also sees your potential, which is why he wants to call you out to serve him so you can be impactful for him. And he wants you to spend time with him because when you spend time with him, you spend time in heaven. Jesus said, pray that my kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Every, every time we spend time with Jesus, we're spending time in heaven spiritually. So, our year this year is about people coming and seeing Jesus. This is true about us and it's true about our friends. We just have to get them to come and see what we already know to be true about the gospel. The simple truths of God's pursuit of us and our hearts and our lives and our impact to heal us and to use us. So, invite them to come and see. Come and see the new building, come and see the kids' ministry. Come and see our student ministry. Come and see our impact center and how we're serving our community. Come and see this big cross we put right in the middle of like the walkway. Come and see how big the word Jesus is on our wall. It's great. Like whatever it takes, get them to come and see because if they come and see Jesus as savior with their eyes and with their heart, it will change everything. And I don't know about you, but every now and then I look at the world and think, I think everything needs to change. I think everything needs to change. Three things that we discussed today, following in the way of Jesus, spending time with Jesus, bringing people to Jesus. Which one of those, when you heard it, did the Holy Spirit say, you have to work on that one this year. You believe you don't behave. Like you get to church, but you don't spend time personally. You spend time personally, but you never come to congregation. Like well, what's the spirit of God been saying to you? That person, they will never get over their Nazareth. I can never invite them. Like what's God said to you? What are you gonna do about that? We're going to end our service different today because this is the new way we're going to begin to end our service. One of the reasons we built this room the way that we did is for those of you who are a little old-fashioned and grew up in church like I did, every Sunday there was time not just to hear the message but to receive it and kind of meditate on it a little bit through prayer. Some of you grew up in churches with altars where you could come down and pray And we built this room because we feel like we do church too fast and like at the final amen, people literally are already on their phones before they get to their car and like there's no time to just like let the message saturate and there's not a ton of time for spiritual care either. And some of you walked in today and what you need from our church this morning is not a sermon, you need a hug. So as we move into 2022, we're going to change the way we in church every Sunday starting today. It's going to be awkward at first for some of you, you've never done it. But then we'll settle in and hopefully it'll allow what God has spoken to us to dig a little deeper. Located around the room are communion stations. So one of the things we're going to allow you to do after a message, we're going to have kind of a soft song. And we're going to have three to five minutes of reflection time. Not singing time, not standing time. Just you spending time with God saying, here's what I heard. What am I going to do about that? So over here, you'll see a communion table here. For those in the front, there's a communion table here. For those kind of in the middle sections, there's a communion table right over here. There's one here, there's one there. If you and your family would like to take communion together, you by yourself? When this song starts, we're just gonna invite you to get up, move towards a communion station, get that two-in-one packet, just go back to your seat. And every Sunday have the opportunity to thank Jesus again for his death and burial and resurrection. Tell him what you heard from him and ask him to let it sink in. We're also gonna have our spiritual care team up here and we're gonna invite those of you who are in the room today who need someone to pray for you, to pray with you, to come up and pray with one of our spiritual care team members. We'll have some of our college interns in here. So like, if you're a college girl, you don't have to come pray with an old man. Not that that would be weird, but it might be a little weird. So like, like we'll have our youth people. We'll have some couples. We'll have some men, we'll have some women. If the 8.30 service at 8.30, what time's our service? 8.45, our 8.45 service started a little slow. But by the time we ended a dozen spiritual care team members, right here, our spiritual care team members huddled around a woman who just got diagnosed with cancer and her family and her small group huddled around her. Right here, our spiritual care team members praying for a young family who just learned that they're four-month-old, maybe blind, something's going on and they can't connect the dots. Over here, our student team praying with one of our students a group of students. On the far end over here, one of our businessmen who's got some things going on in his business that he needs prayer for, down on his knees with his wife and one of our pastors praying for wisdom in his business and one of their daughters who has to have surgery later this week. On this end, one of our young dads making a business transition, praying for family. It took a little while, but there were people who were like, I need a lot from church today. What I really need is someone to just kind of share my burden with and pray. So we're going to change the way we do church because we think we can do it better. And we ask God to give us a room like this so we could do that. So I'm going to ask our band to come to the stage if they're not already here yet. They're going to kind of real softly begin to play. I'll say a prayer. And when I say amen, if you want to grab communion for your time with Jesus, you can just go get it and go back to your seat. Spiritual care team members, come on up. If If you're in the room and you're one of my spiritual care team members, just come up and stand right here. If you'd like to pray with someone, or you need someone to pray with you if you need to share a burden, just come up and we'd be so honored to pray with you. And if you say, it's a little weird, I'm gonna need to watch it a few, just watch it a few times. But we wanna make sure we don't just teach you and sing with you. We wanna make sure we minister to you if that's what you need. So what has God said to your heart? Spend a couple minutes thinking about that before we race off. The week will be ready for us when we get there. So let's spend a few moments just in quietness before the Lord with communion if you want to do it that way, maybe just in your seat praying, maybe praying with someone. And then when everyone has kind of finished their prayer time, in just a few minutes, we'll have everyone stand, we'll sing a worship chorus, and then we'll dismiss. God, be with us as we let what you've spoken to us settle into our soul through a time of reflection and prayer. Be with us in these moments, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. You can go to the communion stations if you want. If you need prayer, please come up and let us know. And I'll be back in just a few minutes to dismiss us after our prayer time.